Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. It's good to know the Bible deals with such issues, and God is actually going to lay out for us a pretty clear plan on how to overcome the day-to-day stresses we experience. And so Jesus' words concerning stress, concerning anxiety, concerning well, worry, well, they should be a help to many of us today. In a message which is both timely and valuable, Pastor Sam addresses a problem shared by so many, stress. In his message entitled Stressed or Blessed, we look at God's solution to this, which is just one of the many benefits of walking with our Lord. Matthew 6, 25 through 34, the title of our message, Stressed or Blessed. Some time back, front page of the Time Magazine it said stress was number America's number one health problem. And in fact, it became an epidemic in the 80s and has only gotten worse since. It's estimated by some that from 75 to 90 percent of our visits to our primary care physician, well, they're stress related. Now that's not to say that we're not having real physical problems, that we're not experiencing real discomfort in other areas. No, it's just saying that those are symptoms and the root cause is stress. Now, it's good to know the Bible deals with such issues. And God is actually going to lay out for us a pretty clear plan on how to overcome the day-to-day stresses we experience. I do think stress is a little different today than it was in the first century, and here's why. What happens ordinarily when we're stressed is we get this huge surge of adrenaline. It was given for fight or flight, but in our situation, we rarely get to do either. We just have the adrenaline rush, and then we're just stuck there. And what happens is that stuff begins to work against us instead of for us. And so Jesus' words concerning stress, concerning anxiety, concerning well, worry, well, they should be a help to many of us today. He offers us a sure cure, beginning there at verse 25, where he says, Therefore I say to you, back in my Bible college days, they said, whenever you come across that word therefore, you got to ask, what's it there for? It's important. He is actually making a conclusion. And so it's kind of awkward to begin with the conclusion, but but here's basically how we get to this point. We've been studying the Sermon on the Mount, but specifically last time, he told us that we have two choices when it comes to treasures, to wealth. We can lay it up in heaven or we can lay it up on earth. Now, if you lay it up in heaven and he says, well, don't worry about your treasure. Well, you don't have to because you know it's secure in heaven. But if you lay it up on earth, he already told you, you've got to worry about it because there's thieves, there's moth, there's rust. And so bottom line is, if you make the wrong choice in the sort of wealth area, well, you're going to end up stressed out as a result. The second area he dealt with when we looked last time from verse 19 down to 24 had to do with our walk. And he said, if you're walking in the light, well, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, 
Then you're going to have fellowship with him. You're going to experience that continual cleansing of the blood of Jesus. And, and so things are going to go pretty good. But if you're walking in the darkness, well, it's stressful. Ever been out on a really dark night and you're walking around, you just know you're going to bump into stuff. We have nightlights all over our house. We keep getting brighter and brighter ones. Why? Something's going on. They're not making a 10-watt bulb as bright as they used to. But what happens to us is we begin to see not so clearly. And if you're walking in darkness, then you're going to be stressed out. If you're walking in the light, what's there to stress over? You're walking with Jesus. You're following Jesus. You're trusting in Jesus. And then finally, he said, you can't serve two masters. When it comes to your work, you either got to be serving the Lord or you're going to just be serving stuff. He called it mammon. It just talks about all the stuff we can accumulate and acquire. And again, if you're, your God is stuff and you're serving stuff, well, it's going to leave you with a certain amount of anxiety, a certain amount of stress. And, and I believe that kind of stress is very difficult to relieve because we've already made bad choices as to where our treasure is, where we're walking and, and, and what or who we're serving. But if you're serving the Lord, walking with the Lord, and he comes and says, hey, listen, don't worry about anything in essence. Well, that all makes sense all of a sudden. Yeah, if, if my treasure is in heaven and I'm walking in the light with Jesus and I'm serving him, what do I have to worry about? Now, that's not to say things won't go wrong. In fact, it's been my personal experience that walking with Jesus has been more difficult than not walking with him. What could I possibly mean by that? Well, when I was a non-believer, a non-Christian, I just sinned, and well, I didn't call it sin back then, I called it fun. I went out and had fun, and I didn't even feel guilty. I didn't feel ashamed. I never had to say I was sorry. And then I came to Jesus, and now I just think about stuff that I would never do, and I have to go, oh, Lord, forgive me that, and help me change my heart. And there is a battle that goes on because we've set our heart to do right, to walk in the light, to walk with the Lord, to serve Him. Well, when he says, therefore, there, he says it in the context of those things earlier taught. And he says, don't worry about your life. Hey, if your life is his, let him worry about you. And I want to tell you some good news. God never worries. He knows the future. He controls the future. And so if he tells you not to worry and you know he's not worrying, well, Turns out nobody has to worry. Why? We are in his hands. So he says, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Excuse me. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? This is the world's trinity of cares. What we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, and what we're going to wear. And in all fairness to the text and why the Lord deals with these issues specifically, let's remember that this was written in the first century where food was not so easily stored, acquired, or kept, it, where, where water wasn't, well, pure water wasn't as easy to find. And if there were droughts, hey, the cisterns dried up. You couldn't just call your bottled water guy and say, hey, drop off a couple more bottles. No, they lived in the desert. So food and drink, those were serious issues for them. For most of us, you know, if there's a drought, that just means we're going to pay a little more for water. We're not going to run out of water because we live in a different time in history. And, and so we do have concerns, though. For them, it was food. It was drink. It was clothing. Well, we're more worried about 
what we're going to drive or, or where we're going to live or what job we're going to have or will we get the promotion. And listen, those are no less stressful. Just because we live in the 21st century, I think we're more stressed out because even when things are going good, there's always that looming, hey, you know, it may not continue this way. I don't want to ask how many of you work for the state. I'm sure some of you do. I read in the paper the other day that, not to stress you out, but if they didn't get the, the uh, budget crisis done, they were going to give all state employees minimum wage. And I got a couple boys, and they haven't worked for minimum wage for a very long time. I don't know how any man with a family could possibly live on minimum wage today. And, and so... That causes stress. That causes anxiety. That's something people worry about, and rightly so. Except for the Lord saying, well, I don't want you to worry about it. I don't want you to stress over it. I don't want you to be anxious because of it. I don't think getting clothes is nearly the stress it is today as it may have been in the first century, but what clothes we get is probably more stressful today because there's such a push to dress this way, to fit in, to be fashionable. You can see it's not stressing me. I make no attempt to fit in or be fashionable. In fact, if I wasn't married, I wouldn't even have a chance to match. <laughs> the only stress I have when it comes to clothes is what's going to happen when Pam sees me a little later in the day and says, did I put those, uh, did, is that what I told you to wear? See, But in any case, in any case, we do stress over such things, and we and, and God is saying to us, as surely as he was saying to them, that if you're all about clothes or food or drink, or if you're worried about wealth or health or any of the other things that can come into life, listen, there is a cure for that anxiety. There is a cure for that stress. I cut out a couple huge articles, actually downloaded them this time, and, and I was going to read to some of them, but because of Communion Sunday, there's just not time to go into all of it. So if you have a computer, just go and, and uh, type in stress or stressed, and uh, you will get a whole bunch of sites that will give you a whole lot of information that will be, well, eye-opening to say the least. Well, he says to us then, we're to stop worrying. This is the part one of his prescription. And really there are four commands that he gives us. You need to know that do not worry is in the form of a command in the original language. It's literally stop worrying. Why? Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he knows they're worried about how they're going to take care of themselves. Why? Well, they had forsaken all to follow him. When you get that part, well, you can understand, okay, well, now what's going to happen? Sometimes he'd, you know, break the loaves and fishes. Other times, other miraculous events. But these guys had some concerns. And here's one of the things I've observed the Lord doing, at least in my life, and I'm sure he does it in some of your lives as well. If he gives you a clear command and you say, you know what, Lord, I get it, and I'm going to obey you and give me the strength and the power and the energy to do so, it's going to work out really good. But if he tells you not to stress and not to worry, and if you're anything like me and you just say, well, I don't try to stress, I just stress. I don't wake up and say, I think I'll worry today. I just wake up sometime worried. Here's what I've seen him do. He'll actually put you in a situation where you absolutely have to trust in him. Not that we don't already, but where it becomes so obvious, there's no way I can deal with this on my own. There's no way I can handle this. Why? He wants you to know he's trustworthy. So later, after giving this lesson to his disciples, he'll send them out and say, I don't want you to take extra clothes. Don't take any extra food. 
Don't just, just everything will work out fine. Why? He wanted them to see that as they went out to serve and represent him, he would provide everything for them. And he wants us to know the same thing. Now, there are two ways to learn this lesson. You can simply get it out of the text and say, Lord, yes. Or you can, well, you can do it the hard way and, and learn that God is faithful even when you're faithless. That there really is no reason to stress because, well, you're his. And he's going to make that clear here in a moment. So he says, stop stressing, stop worrying, stop being anxious about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or about your body, what you're going to put on it. And he argues here from the greater to the lesser. He says, is not life more than food? And is not the body more than clothing? His, his argument runs along this line. He, he's saying, look, I've given you life. I've given you a body. You don't trust me to give you, you know, what you need to sustain the life and provide for the body? If we understand that life physically is a gift from God, and then life spiritually, yet another gift from God, well, we ought to be able to trust him with all and for all that we need. You know, Jesus tells his disciples a little later when we get into Matthew 10 that when they're arrested, doesn't happen to everybody, but he knew it was going to happen to them. Now, they weren't arrested because drunk driving or something like that. No, they were arrested because they were representing him. And he says, when they bring you up before the councils, don't worry ahead of time. Don't stress over. Don't be anxious about what you're going to share. Why? He says, in the hour you're brought before them, I will give you what you need to say. The Holy Spirit will come and speak to you and, and through you. So he, he tells them, hey, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be arrested. You're going to be standing before the tribunals, but I don't want you to stress over that. Now, we don't know what the Lord has in store for us. We don't know all of the difficulties that lie ahead, but I'm certain he'd say the same thing. Whatever lies ahead, I don't want you to stress over it. Why? He's going to be there with us. Some of you are familiar of the story of Martha and Mary. They, they come up over and over in Scripture. Good friends of Jesus often hosted him there in the house. And, and uh, at one point, Martha is busy serving. Now, she's just cooking something up for the Lord. And Mary's sitting there at the feet of Jesus. And Martha gets upset. And she comes out and says, tell her to get with the program, in essence, you know. I'm just working out here, stressing and striving, trying to take care of you, and she isn't doing nothing. What's the Lord's response to that? Martha, Martha, you're upset, you're distracted, anxious. It's the same word about many things. But Mary has chosen the better part, he says. One thing is needful, and she's chosen it. I won't take it from her. Now, that has a direct application to many here today, and here's why. I know lots of you serve here in the body, and, and lots of you serve outside of the body. You're servants. I, I know that. I know that God is making you more like Jesus, who is the ultimate servant. And as you serve, sometimes it becomes stressful. And if you serve for wrong motivations, it's stressful right away. Like if you sign up to serve and you think, wow, everyone's going to notice what a servant I am and nobody seems to notice. You're just there doing it and you're like, where's all the adoration? Where's all the praise? Where's the pat on the back? It ain't coming. Well, you're going to get stressed out quick. But even if your motivation is right, even if you're doing the right thing for the right reason, ultimately you will find yourself a little pressed, a little pushed, and when you grow anxious, the Lord would be saying the same thing to you. Listen, 
What do you really need when you're serving and your cup is empty? You need to sit at the feet of Jesus. You need to just soak up all he has for you. You need to just rest and relax before him. And that's supposed to be what we do as we gather together here. Now, these seats are so comfortable. Some people get a little more rest than they're supposed to. Some of you learn a lot. Others wake up refreshed. And But, but the bottom line is, God gives his loved ones rest. When Moses stood there at the, the, the edge of the Red Sea and, and the enemies in hot pursuit and the people all gathered around him, they're freaking out. And they're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And he's like, be calm. Everything's cool. And then he goes into the Lord and he says, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And the Lord just says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you. And I think to some of us, he's just saying, hey, just settle down, just stand still, just relax, just rest. Why? Well, all the problems of the world are going to continue on. All the stuff that you face and deal with, it's going to keep coming. But you need to know, I need to know, we need to know, we're in his hands. He's going to take care not only of us, but of those situations. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing. Same exact concept. Don't stress. Don't strive. Don't be anxious. Just rest and relax. Turn those cares, he says, into prayers. And then he promises, not that you'll understand what's going on, but he'll give you a peace that passes understanding. That's his promise. So first of the, the four commands that we consider here is stop worrying. And he says this, by the way, over and over throughout the text. Now, the second thing he tells us to do is to look. And the word actually means to look and, and learn from. See the lesson in. Look at the birds of the air, verse 26. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they. He's saying, look at the birds and, and, and figure it out. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, and yet they're cared for, they're provided for. Now, we mentioned this last time. What this isn't is a lesson on laziness. Because if you consider the birds, they still go out to get the worms. You know, They still go out and get the berries. They're busy, but they're not striving. They're active, but they're not stressing. And that's really what the lesson is. I've noticed that it's often at those times where I'm doing nothing, I'm the most stressed. If I busy myself doing something, then, well, in and of itself, that can be stress relief. But when I sit and I'm thinking, how will this work out? And what's going to happen here? And Lord, how's this supposed to come together? I'm even including him in the stressful conversation, so I know he's there. But I'm not always remembering that, hey, he's not just listening. He's the solution. Well, he says, look, learn from the birds of the air. They're not sowing. They're not reaping. They're not gathering. And, and here's the clue. Here's the key. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. And are you not of more value than they? Two things. If you have yielded your life to the Lord Jesus, if you've been born again of his spirit, the Bible says God the Father is now your heavenly Father. Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, came down to this earth, born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless, spotless life, dies a substitutionary sacrifice, rises again the third day, and then he offers us forgiveness and pardon of sin. And uh, while it's popular 
but unbiblical theology today that we're all children of God. Biblical theology says in order to be a child of God, you've got to be born into the family of God. You must be born again. Jesus said that to a very religious man, to a very spiritual man, to a leader of the people chosen by and blessed by God, teacher of the law. He said, Nicodemus, even you must be born again. And so perhaps today we're talking about how to deal as a believer and you're thinking, I'm not sure I'm even in that category. Well, you want to make sure that you deal with that issue before we conclude our time together. That's sort of step one. If you don't do that, all trying to do the rest of this is never going to work because it's like you won't be connected to or tapped into the power that makes it all possible. But but he does tell us that we can learn from the birds because, hey, doesn't our Lord tell us that not a sparrow falls to the ground that, that he doesn't take notice? I mean, he is aware of everything going on everywhere on this planet. And, and he's aware of your needs and your concerns. And so he says, how much more? And then which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature. This really is translated two different ways, and I bring this to your attention because if you have like New Living Translation, I think it says one hour to your life or something along those lines. And I want to tell you, both of those are good translations. It's one of the places where the word translated stature could go either way. It could be talking about, well, and, and, and that's how this has mostly been understood. Nobody here is going to be able to make themselves half a yard taller by worrying. But no one here is going to be able to make their life any longer by worrying. In fact, we're told that worry actually shortens life. And at the same time, it robs you of a quality of life in the meantime. Now, the only upside to that is if you're worrying all the time and, and so you don't have a very good quality of life, finding out it's going to be shorter might be some relief to you. But I don't think that that's actually what God intends. No, he wants you to have a quality of life now and a quantity of life in the future. He doesn't want us to shorten our life or, or think that we could stress and grow or stress and continue. No, we're going to live as long as he wants us on this planet. But worry, worry, stress, strife, well, they're going to be great thieves and uh, in robbing us. So in any case, he goes on to say, um, let's see how far do we get that. Oh, don't worry about clothing. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, it's interesting that he chooses Solomon for his example. Because if you're familiar with Solomon, son of David, second of the kings that God actually, um, well, actually third king, but, but second in that line, the Davidic line that God ordained. And, and uh, sort of like Saul, he was the people's choice. You know, he would have been the, the you know, American hero if it was us. And, and he was sort of elected to the position. But David was a man after God's heart, chosen for the position. His son Solomon follows in his footsteps. And when God comes to him and says, Solomon, Tell me what you want. I'll give you anything you want. He says, you know, it, it, this is a, a big responsibility going before your people, leading your people. He goes, give me an understanding heart. Now, now remember this because it, it will factor in when we get a little bit further down. But, but at this point, he's just saying Solomon, who was the 
richest or one of the richest men and certainly the wisest man that ever lived. He was never more gloriously arrayed, more beautifully dressed than, than just the fields of flowers. And so he's arguing again from this, you know, lesser to the greater. Hey, if God clothes the fields, how much more you? In Solomon and all his glory, and by the way, when he asked for, well, just give me an understanding heart, God says, because you didn't ask for long life or riches or these other things, I'm going to not only grant your request, but I'm going to give you all this to boot. I'm going to throw all this in as well. And we're going to see that he gives us a very clear command. And then he gives us a promise when we get down toward the end of all this that says if we're putting first things first, then we're going to get all the rest in, in thrown in. But if we go after the rest, well, we're going to lose all of it. In Jeremiah 29, 11, we read, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. We are never promised a trouble-free life. Quite the contrary, we will face adversity. But having the Lord in our corner allows us to face this adversity in a completely different way. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico, and you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.